Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and welcome to All Stats Aren't We, a podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings on Elland Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm John McKenzie, the Rafinha low finisher of the podcast, a goal as soon as it leaves the foot. And I'm joined by the Jack Harrison casual swiped volley of the podcast, Joe Hill, so nonchalant. And finally, the making Newcastle look like a competent football team of the podcast. <laughs> deary, deary me, it's Darren Driver. Darren, how are you doing? I'm all right. I always think calling someone competent is is praising them with faint dams. So I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not quite sure whether, whether I'm happy to be that word to be used in connection with my name. But yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Um, I watched the game last night. Um, after work, so it was about half ten before I eventually managed to put it on. And um, I'd seen all the comments in the in the in the all stats group chat on Twitter before I uh, before I watched it so I was expecting it to be some sort of horror show and I was actually pleasantly surprised um so that so thanks for thanks for lowering my expectations enough for me to enjoy the game lads cheers <laughs> Joe Hill how are you doing yeah I'm okay I mean obviously we got the win we got the three points so that feels great um it feels it feels nice to be able to grind out um a win you know when we we really needed it yesterday I felt especially coming into two big, quite big fixtures against Leicester and Everton. Um, this has kind of given us a springboard. Um, and we're, you know, we're in a safe position now. We, I don't think we can get overtaken after the next game week. Um, we're just solidly in 12th. There's not really anyone near us. And it's quite nice to see us just holding that sort of mid-table um, position quite nicely, yeah. Yeah, so let's get into the, 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 the game itself, how we felt about it. As, as Darren said, I think there was a lot of... Certainly in the all stats group, I think there was a there was a, a, lot, a lot of complaints, and I think mainly because we're seeing the same sorts of issues um, that we've been talking about, and maybe maybe a slight um, decline in in the way that Leeds are playing. It feels as though you know what started out at the beginning of the season as a um, quite fun swashbuckling style of play against teams that were happy to to be fairly open against us and and Leeds pulling things off has become it seems to me anyway a sort of uh a, a lack of a lack of 
um, any sort of sense of solidity that means that teams can come out against us and play quite tactically basic football and still look quite good. And I think that's the frustration for me is that we've got to a situation where our play style, which last season was great because we controlled the ball and we created all of these chances and we didn't give away many chances, has now become we can't control the ball at all. And so that means we just invite constant counter-attacks through individual players so we saw it yesterday with with Fabian Shah who was attacking through the middle um, as a centre-back we saw it through um, Alan Saint-Maximin who who could just pick the ball turn his player and then run in and in, in directly into space Almiron caused us problems in that respect too and I suppose my frustration comes from the fact that um, we just seem to have any we seem to have a complete inability really to control the ball and therefore you, you know, you, you, you're on that knife edge that we talk about all the time where if you control the ball, suddenly Leeds look very, very competent. As soon as you lose that control, we look very, very flimsy. Um, so so I don't know how you guys feel about that, but that's the context of my my nervousness maybe and, and my frustration about the game. Um, looking back over the game itself, I felt as though... If you look at the... So Newcastle XG does. They they got a higher XG than we did. But if you look at the shot map, they had one good chance, which was the goal that they scored. The rest of them are very very low um, risk ch- chances. Um, we had no big chance, so no chance that was over 0.3 XG. But we did have a few okay chances, um, and there was a few times where we created chances that, if you actually looked at it, looked at it in terms of non shot XG. So if you look at a situation and say if the player shoots here. Um, will it be will it be a more dangerous chance you can look at that as well and I think on that in that sort of metric we we look quite well but um, at the same time I still think there is it's, it's worrying I think to to come up against a team like Newcastle who are probably the 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 least tactically astute team in the, in the Premier League right now and have have them cause us problems even even if those didn't result in, in big chances and I think that's what the constant worry has been for me this season is that you can take teams like Manchester United and Chelsea who obviously are stacked with great players and you can give them easy wins without them really needing to do much tactically. They have the personnel to be able to just pick the ball, go direct. And that's what managers will be saying to to their teams now, I think. Go direct, pick the ball up, try and turn your player, and then just cause the Leeds man-marking system problems by 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 running into space and, and causing them to have to switch players here, there and everywhere. So, sorry, that's a very long monologue from me, but it's something that I felt like I needed to get off my chest. So, who wants to respond to that first? Um, I, I got some thoughts about that because I actually thought we controlled the first half reasonably well. I thought we, we, did, we did give the ball away more than I'm comfortable with, particularly very early on when Newcastle's press was quite high in the first 10 minutes. Um, but I felt that beyond that, actually, we, we really did control the game in that first half. And, and if Rodrigo makes a different decision in that chance that he gets at 43 minutes and shoots, we're, we're probably 2-0 up. And then the second half is very comfortable and looks very different. Um, but as it was, I think because we were only one one goal um, one goal up um, in the second half, I thought it was really interesting because they they obviously targeted Alioski and and really pressed him and and he was kind of a pressing trigger for them and he really struggled. And as soon as we made the change of putting Dallas to left back, we stopped having problems in the left back area from from those kind of attacks and from presses. But then we became very open in terms of the Newcastle's ability to run straight down the middle and and I think we saw a lot of the problems that we've seen 
when you see Click and Rodrigo playing the midfield together really reveal themselves in the last, probably for that 20 minute spell where Newcastle were really on top. But then I felt like Newcastle really burnt themselves out in that 20 minutes and, and we again got on top and our fitness really told in the last 10 minutes. It's kind of how I read the game, but I totally agree with what you're saying about, you know, that, that we've, we've got to find the balance between control and creativity and and at the moment, I don't feel like we are quite striking that balance because although we controlled the first half, we didn't make many good chances, and we made I think we made more good chances in the second half, but we're also much more vulnerable. So we've we've got to really find a way to kind of to, to kind of strike that balance. And I'm sure that some of the things we'll discuss as we go through, you know, the the questions today will really kind of tease out some of the detail there. How much do you think that the solution to this is? One, a better left back, and two, a better central midfielder. I mean, from what you're saying, it sounds as though we took a central midfielder who, and we've been critical of Dallas in this podcast, but, you know, he's he's one of the few people we can actually play as a central midfielder. Uh, he's also one of the few people that we can play as a, as, as a left back. And I don't think by any stretch of the imagination that he's particularly good in build-up play anyway. But Alioski was absolutely awful yesterday in terms of c- controlling the ball. So um, how much do you think that that is the solution to the problems, bringing in these these players and then and then just actually suddenly everything looking okay because as I've said we call it a knife edge right all it takes is a little thing to put us over the right side of the fence and, and we're going to look like a competent team again yeah absolutely and I, and I think that that getting getting a, a really good solid left back who's who's good at, good when pressed and is able to kind of use the ball well in build up and and the central midfielder who's got um, the, the combination of tactical discipline that that we require, who's not going to go charging into the front line at every given opportunity, who's going to pick the ball up from the fullbacks, who's going to support them um, centrally, um, and who isn't going to be dragged around quite so much by by um, by people uh, by midfielders from the opposition, kind of trying to make him vacate the centre. I think you do need a bit of kind of discipline and a bit of kind of ability to go actually I'm going to hold this you know I'm going to hold this position and recognize what the danger is I think that if you get those two things in then that gives Rafinha, Rodrigo, Harrison whoever's up front and and Ailing chance to really kind of make a difference going the other way and I, I think it doesn't solve every problem problem that we have not by any stretch of the imagination but I think it does put us much closer to looking like a really competent and solid team. Joe what's your take on all of this how do you feel about the game? One thing I did want to say, um, <clears throat> this is just sort of speaking in, in more general terms about how our season's going, I suppose, but um, I, I completely agree with you both in um, in all these issues. Um, I think you, I think that's absolutely right, but at this stage for me, it's not something that's worrying me personally. Um, I've spoken about this on the podcast a, a couple of times before, but this season I'm already seeing as a as a transitional season we know that we're going to have areas to improve um come the end of the season and and certainly you know during this season but we're in a good position at the moment and i think what what, one thing i'd like to say to all the leeds fans really is just to try and enjoy the ride at the moment because you know we're we're playing some good football at times and you know it's not always it's not always working out I don't think this is a stage to worry personally, and this and partly partly this is because we've only played every team once. We don't even know how Bielsa's going to tweak it when we play teams for a second time. You know, for all we know, when we come up against Leicester, they they totally did a job on us um, in the previous game, and it was you know they beat us four one. But if if we can improve on that game and make slight tactical tweaks, very specifically to this Leicester team, then you know that's that's the 
that's where I think is I'm going to enjoy it most is seeing us make slight tweaks and improve against these teams. So I don't think it's a time to be worrying about you know where we can improve because we've we've put ourselves in a solid position. And I just wanted to remind everyone of that really. Yeah, I, I mean I agree I agree with you in one sense because I don't think there's any danger that Leeds are going to go down. So I think we need to get that out of our heads and. Um, I I do agree that we should sort of try and enjoy the ride, but you know games like yesterday's game I don't think were very enjoyable, um, especially when you take into account the fact that it was against a Newcastle side who are who are in free fall at the moment, and you know we as you said we've got games against teams like Leicester and Everton coming up where again I mean we we played well against Everton the first time around, but I've been saying this all the way through is that that this this second half of the season may be a lot more uncomfortable than people realise in that in that you know once teams realise that you can beat the man marking system if you have better players man for man which almost every team in the in the league does uh, with a few exceptions then I think it's going to be it's going to be a tough second half of the season um, my big worry comes from what happens in the summer because I agree this is a transitional season but that that very much hangs on whether or not you have the faith that the club are going to bring in the right players to to um, to to have us on that upward tra- trajectory and from from what we're seeing, it's not necessarily clear that that's the case. I mean, I and I know that we've brought in a lot of good players, but we, you know we, we've had the the questions about Rodrigo, who no one doubts his ability, but there's always those questions about how do you fit him into the team. Um, we've also seen Diego Llorente get injured pretty much weekly <laughs> since he arrived. Um, Robin Cox come in and and we've lost him to a knee injury. He's he's going to be have, he's going to have to be rehabilitated. We've not had a central midfielder brought in um which seems to be a big issue etc cetera, etc. Cetera. So for me the big the big worry is is that if we if we don't improve in the summer and we don't bring in the personnel which may happen maybe it will um but if we don't are we going to be in the same situation now that we then that we are in now, which is teams know that leads actually are pretty easy to break down in in a in a break their man marking system down if you have good uh, dribbling players and they aren't going to be good enough to pass out from the back because they don't have the personnel to be able to do that. So that's my, that's my worry, and it's it's a long way off. And I do agree that you know we're in the Premier League this 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 half of the season. We need to we do need to enjoy it because you know you can't take that kind of thing for granted. But I do think it's going to be a little bit tougher perhaps than, than people realise. But this is very negative. So let's bring in Darren, who's the eternal optimist, and 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 maybe change the change the balance. Yeah, I am going to change the balance a little bit because what I'm going to say is that, that for all that Newcastle are a tactically naive team, they do have ability going forward and they've got players who are capable of causing you problems. And I think that's all we saw yesterday. I think Bielsa's system, whilst it, whilst it does create the space for people to run into, it does it does make other uh, make the opposition rely on um, on their individual players performing to a very high level at all times to try and beat us. And I thought I thought that. Yeah, that while while they did manage to get through several times, actually we we defended our eighteen yard line really really well yesterday. I thought, and I thought that although they they looked dangerous, I don't think as many of their attacks as we might think were as dangerous as they looked at the time that they happened. Then also, what I will say is that although yeah, there are problems with playing out, but the one sustained moment of quality in the whole game was for our second goal when we played out absolutely beautifully from our left back position up into our right wing position and managed to create that that goal. So. I I think that against the teams that we need to beat, we'll we'll have enough good moments um, throughout the rest of the season to kind of see us home very comfortably. And then I agree with you, John, in the sense that the the summer is a really key time, and that we need to address these 
what seemed to me to be quite glaring issues with the squad composition. Um, and and all I can do is 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 try and have faith that that will happen. I think with with injuries that we've had, yeah, you can't you can't predict that Robin Cox's going to do his knee in the first game against Liverpool. There's absolutely no legislating for that. It seems to me from what we from the way we discussed it the other day um, that the reason Urente was brought in was because we knew that at some point Cox was going to have that operation um so that actually seems like once once you kind of understand that that seems like reasonably good planning albeit with a player who then has also gone on to pick up a number of injuries <laughs> and cost more than the player who he's replacing and, and cost, <laughs> yeah absolutely so so i can see that there are some logic and common sense flaws there but but you know to an extent you, you just you you cannot plan for injuries and we always seem to get injuries in one department of the team repeatedly throughout a season. It's never that you've got one injury in attack and one in midfield and one in defence. We always get them in, in the same area of the team all the time and it's just, I think there's, there's a kind of certain element of luck. Just as just as games of football are decided by luck, I think also the way that your squad looks to an extent is decided by luck at any given moment. Yeah, sorry, do you want a right to reply, Joe? Because we have we have responded to you. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you both and I think the enjoy the ride um segment it does come with a caveat that it needs to be a big summer um you know because we we could, for all we know we could lose rafinha in the summer if we if we don't play it right because he's looking absolutely top notch and he would fit in at some of the top six sides so um i i do think it, i do think we should enjoy the football um but yeah um i agree with you in that it, it has to be a big summer I have to say, having because I knew the result in advance, I actually really enjoyed the second half yesterday. So that might that might make me quite unique among <laughs> Leeds fans. But I thought it was a really cracking. Like I said, I said on Twitter that I thought it, it looked to me like a kind of 1930s battle for the soul of football. That you had the dribblers against the passers, and it was kind of yeah. It just reminded me of some of the some of the kind of stuff that I've read about about um about yeah the tactical development of the game. So I found it fascinating and sort of perversely enjoyable. I realise that we've not even got on to any of the questions yet and we are um, well into a podcast in which we are going to do both a review and a preview of the next game. So uh, apologies for 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 having that, that big existential crisis on the podcast. But thanks again for all your questions as well. We had loads as always, so um, we, we picked out the, the most representative ones. Sorry if we haven't answered your specific question, but hopefully we'll have covered most of the, the topics that were asked anyway. I think the best place to... Um, maybe start is by let's talk about the the pressing I think to start off with um, because I think this was I mean this was a an area that we had lots of questions about and I think a, an area that that meant that we ended up looking quite flimsy at times so um, we had a question from JC who said who's responsible for picking up centre halves running the whole pitch and why are so many passes misplaced in the midfield Fitzroy Bagger said what happened in the second half why are we so vulnerable to a defender waltzing through the middle of the pitch um, and I think a lot of this comes down to pressing we, we, we heard Marcelo Bielsa talking about this about the Brighton game um, he was frustrated with the pressing and the press Pressing this season. I mean, the pressing yesterday, it was fine in the first half, I guess, but um, in the in the second half in particular, I just thought we we didn't we weren't even really looking to press centre backs at one point, and um, w- whether or not that's because Leeds have been told to maybe drop off a little bit on the press, I don't know, but it it I think a lot of it comes down to perhaps Rodrigo. But what do you what do you make of that, Darren? What do you make of the the pressing situation at the moment? 
Yeah, it's difficult because teams have identified it uh, as a, as a weakness, and you know we've known about it as a weakness internally for for quite a long time. And I, I think I think it's it's really interesting because you think about how you can stop it, and the way to stop it is to drop to a more zonal based system, which we know that Bielsa isn't going to do. Um, and I think that I think that Dallas in the in the midfield in the first half. He he really improved things. Although I don't necessarily think that Newcastle tried to carry, to do as many carries from the back um, in in the first half as they did in the second half. But um, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it did look it did look off. It looked uncoordinated. Um, it didn't look like. I think I think one of the problems is it like someone like um, sure share. Uh, he's got. He's quite a powerful runner, so once he gets into his stride, he's actually going to be very difficult to stop, isn't he? And, and particularly if you kind of along, alongside or behind him, you, you're really not going to going to stop him. So I, th- I think we need to find a way to kind of either make sure that we that we press earlier than we are currently able to do because of the the way it's coordinating, or that we decide to take a kind of um, here's this word again, a slightly more pragmatic view of it, and to kind of to kind of drop and make sure that we've got that they ru- that he's running into bodies rather than running into space, which is what's currently happening. Joe, what's your take on the on the pressing situation? Yeah, I mean it's obviously a problem for us, um, and I think teams are very quickly picking up on that idea. Um, one one thing that one thought that I had in terms of a solution, um, possibly was, and I don't know whether Bielsa, this is something Bielsa thinks about, um, but it's identifying which one of the centre backs is is best at coming out with the ball, basically. So, you know, I, I haven't done loads of research on Newcastle centre backs, but let's say for argument's sake that Cher is the best um, at at coming out with the ball. Um, so if shares on the ball, often what Bamford might do, depending on his starting position, is cut off the passing lane to Lascelles and then press share, which obviously invites share to drive the ball forward and make one of these runs, um, splitting the defence open. Um, now, a, a, a solution perhaps would be for Bamford to alter his run and press share more directly from the front, invite him to pass it to Lascelles and then basically say to Lascelles, look, if you want to drive forward, we're taking that calculated risk and we're going to allow you to do that. So I don't know if that's something that Bielsa thinks about or whether he just says to Bamford, look, you need to cut off the passing lane to the centre-back that doesn't have the ball first, regardless of who it is. So that might be interesting to see if that starts happening because obviously every team has one centre-back that's better at that than the other one and usually by quite a considerable amount. So that that was a potential solution that I was thinking about, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good point. So you funnel it to the the player that you think is going to cause you the least problems if they drive at you. And at the moment, we, it doesn't seem as though we're doing that. Interestingly enough, it, it felt as though live, uh, Newcastle were playing in a. It was it was really hard tactically to sort of assess what was going on yesterday because Newcastle were very chaotic. Um, I sent you that screenshot in the group message where where it showed John Joe Shelby about to take a free kick and everyone else on the pitch apart from the goalkeepers in a in a five meter square so well square basically um Newcastle were sort of getting really really compact and sort of just looking to be fairly chaotic um and as a result of that because Leeds matched them for structure it meant that Leeds were in really small areas at times as well uh, but they largely played a, a sort of 4-4-2 we, we were kind of questioning whether or not it was going to be a uh, five four one or whatever it was going to be, but it was pretty much a, a four four two, and we didn't 
we didn't come out in the three three one three really at any point. Which uh, there was times when it looked as though we had a back three, um, but I was I wondered whether or not that had anything to do with with some of the pressing up front because when we press with a two, when we when we if if there, if there is a back three, um, you do you do end up getting this sort of confusion between. Bamford and Rodrigo where we've talked about it before this sort of v-shape that they that they adopt where they they sort of use the the central midfielder as a pivot and one will go to one will go to one center back and then rather than having to run the whole width of the pitch to get to the other center back you sort of pass them on to the to the person who's marking the the central midfielder and then they push across as well so you're sort of you're sort of pivoting on a central midfielder and then pushing out to the center backs alternatively and that seems to give the opposition one it seems to give the opposition loads of time to to make their mind up about things and also it seems to be there seems to be a lot of confusion at times about who's supposed to be pressing when and who's going where they, we we really don't seem to have nailed that um it's a sort of concertina press we really don't seem to have nailed it very well um at any point and we've seen that with Rodrigo and Bamford a lot um so in that respect I kind of figured that you know that we would have been pushing against two three central midfield uh, central defenders but we, we really weren't it was very much two central defenders and I think what we see against two central defenders is that all you need to do is in possession is just push those two central defenders really wide and then Bamford has a huge amount of space to cover. And um, uh, we I, we saw Tyler Roberts coming on and like there was times when, again, you know, he would push, press one central centre-back, they would pass it to the other one and he just wouldn't bother moving across. And so that means that one of the wide players then has to press and then someone has to cover the wide players' player. And uh, yeah, it, it all breaks down that way. So uh, my question, I guess my question would be, is there a sense in which it's impossible to play the man-marking system? in the Premier League um, with the squad that we have. We had a question from um, Sam who said, hard one to ask without getting pelters for questioning Bielsa, but do we need to move away from the man-marking in the long term? It seems we'll always struggle against good dribblers like ASM, Zaha, etc., which we'll encounter more in the Prem. Um, now, I don't like, I don't doubt that the man-marking system can work in elite football because, you know, Bielsa's, Bielsa's done well in elite football playing a man marking system i suppose my question is if you don't have the if you don't have the um the personnel to be able to carry out that that pressing then then where how do you deal with it how do how do you make those sorts of changes that changes that you're talking about joe where you're thinking about little moments where you can maybe get an edge um darren i'll bring you on in on this like i don't think anyone's going to there's no way we're changing the man marking system, and I don't think we should. At, at the, obviously, at this point in the season, but even in the summer, I think you do get you do get something from the man marking system, and we saw it work per- perfectly in the championship. But what what is the issues that we face man marking in the Premier League, and and how do we overcome them? Yeah, well, I think I think that the issues that we primarily face are the, are the idea that if anybody's got um, kind of is very good at direct running, or is or has got a little trick, or is able to just create a yard of space for themselves, that that, that will always sort of unbalance us and make us look very vulnerable. Um, but I, th- I think in terms of how we go about it in the long term, I think I think that that points to me like that. I think we really need to do think about um, things in the short, medium, and long term. And if we think about this season as the short term, then the man marking system for all that it's made us concede quite a few goals in in quite in against particularly against um against big teams it has still seen us gather 26 points from the first 19 games and and will will be able to see us through to to the end of the season without getting in too much trouble and then you have to believe that Bielsa is aware of the of the issues that that 
that are happening and and you know we'll be able to link those to personnel and we'll and then we'll improve the kind of quality floor and ceiling of the squad again in the summer so that so that we can you know kind of see see it become that bit more effective so if if you if if I think about this season I think that we're looking to finish you know somewhere around where we are now would be ideal anywhere between 17th and where we are now is absolutely fine and then next season if we want to push on to the top 10 which I guess would be the next logical progression then then you're going to need to bring in players in order to do that and 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 part of that will be about improving the man marking system. So I think it's just that eternal thing where we've got to trust the process as difficult as it feels during during moments like last night when St. Maximin was, you know, driving straight at the heart of our central defence at times where Cher was able to pick off our press quite easily. I think we've got to understand that that um that these things are going to happen against against really high quality players such as uh, you know St Maximin's a, a really good player um and and that that you kind of have to accept that if you get Bielsa you get Bielsa things and 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 man marking is one of them and he will stick with that irrespective of whether it's causing problems for us or not and I think I think you just have to kind of um just accept it let's move on i'm conscious of the time so let's talk about our center backs um Jack Hardy of this parish says our travails against high pressing teams have brought home how effective Ben White was under pressure last season in turning on rushing attackers etc does this game highlight that we need to properly press resistant centre back for Bielsa's style to flourish at this level uh, and Richard Lang doing the good work of all stats aren't we saying Pascal looks like a top quality centre back a matter of time before he starts on the left of our defence yes Richard <laughs> <laughs> yeah Joe what do you make of the question of like our, our, our centre backs in particular um, in terms of the press resistance I think we absolutely do miss Ben White I'm just going to start by saying that because um, he was incredible at that he was he was brilliant at um, resisting the press he could just turn the attacker so easily and you know I think we miss the consistency of him playing almost every game um, if I'm not mistaken I think he started what 45 out of the 46 or something like that I don't really remember him at a time when he wasn't playing last season and I think that having that consistency um was a real benefit to the lead side. So I think partly it is to do with the consistency in that the centre-back pairing hasn't been the same, you know, for a consecutive three games, probably all season. You know, I've, I've just made that up out of thin air, but that feels about <laughs> All about stats, right, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No one will ever check it out. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I urge someone to check it out because that, that does feel like it's uh, round there or thereabouts. Um and yeah, I think with with reference to Pascal, I think he is a fantastic centre back, and I really wouldn't have a problem seeing him in the long term. You know, maybe next season, um, starting on the left side of defence. I thought it was quite interesting that he that he played on the left and that Cooper was on the right yesterday, because I would have done it the opposite way round and said, look, Cooper's perhaps a, a bit weaker on his right foot. Um, we know that Strauk potentially um can can be amazing on it with his right foot as well as his left or so that's sort of the word on the grapevine anyway we've not really seen it in action um so I would have started them the other way around but yeah I wonder if you guys have any any thoughts about why it was that way around in particular I would say that you know whenever anything like this happens we always kind of tend to think about on ball um reasons for it and I, I suppose it could be off ball reasons um but that said you know I, I think both Pascal and Cooper are very good in the air um perhaps Cooper is maybe a little bit more proactive than 
um, than Strauch. And I wonder whether or not the, the decision was made based on the fact that um, the side that Callum Wilson was on, um, they wanted Cooper marking um, him. I, I've not really given it too much thought, but I suspect that might be the, the thinking that was going on there. Yeah, I think I think you're probably probably right. Um, the the main thing I took from Joe's uh, little monologue there was that he can't remember anything before Ben White, which I thought was quite interesting <laughs> and very lovely, Joe. Um, I I I think that we we have attempted to sign two press res- resistant centre backs in the summer, and as we've kind of talked about earlier, they've got varying degrees of press resistance of of Cock and and Urente, but they're both able to carry the ball into the midfield. They're both able to spot long passes and do some of the work that Ben White did last year, um, and so therefore I, I think that has been identified by the club as a, as a problem and something that we need needed to replace. But as I said earlier, it's just that thing about we happen to be without the two first choice players for that position at the moment. And when you're in that position, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what position on the field you're in. If you're down to your third choice for any role, you're going to lose something in, 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 in translation. And what we're losing at the moment is that press resistance. I think Cooper really struggled a couple of, I mean, I thought Cooper played really well yesterday, by the way, I'm not criticizing him, but but there were a couple of times yesterday where he gave the ball away, passing it quite centrally uh, on his left foot into central areas where, you know, kind of more naturally right footed player would have been able to maybe look down the line or find 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 a different different sort of pass to play. So, um, yeah, I think I think it's just circumstances. With press resistance, there's two differences between being able to build up from the back and run into space from the back and I think those are two different things I don't think Bielsa would ever encourage his centre-backs to try and break a press with a defender trying to dribble and then find space so the the thing is is that we use the players who push forward from the centre-back positions I mean we saw it against uh I'm not who was the the game where where Pascal and Cooper was it both of them playing where both of them were were pushing forward into space Pascal had a game where he did push into space when a team was sitting in a bit more of a mid block and um uh, and and he was given the spaces it might have been the Spurs game I thought that was him and Ailing Strauch and Ailing doing that Yes it was um, yeah that's right yeah so Strauch and Ailing and I think it was the Spurs game yeah, where was. Spurs were sitting in quite a deep mid block and so both of them were happy to push forward and and find space and I think that's the they're the situations where you want a a, a center back who's good at, at just moving the ball into into central areas. And we saw Robin Koch doing it against Everton, I think, where he took a huge amount of criticism for the fact that he was just getting he was finding space, pushing forward and then trying to dink passes in. And again that's that's the sort of those are the sort of games you want someone to be able to carry the ball. In terms of press resistance, I think both I think actually Koch and, and Urente actually a little bit worse than than some of our other centre backs in the I think they under pressure they they aren't quite so good at building up from the back, um, and I think that's something that I, that's something that I like both Cooper and um, and Pascal for. I think that of those two they they're they're pretty happy building up, um, moving the ball around between the cent- the, the back back four and then the central midfielder as well. Um, so I, I think it's it's not quite so to talk about it in terms of press resistant is maybe not. Resistance maybe not quite right. Yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying. I think I think there was there, were, uh, there was at least one moment last night when I kind of really saw something in in Urenta, even in that eight minutes where it was just before he was before he was taken off that that he kind of managed to control the ball under pressure, didn't really have a pass on, strode into the midfield and found his pass. And I guess that's what I was talking about that there are, there are, there are times when when at the moment we we do struggle with that. I mean, we don't struggle with that when Luke Alien's playing, obviously, because Luke Alien is, is really good at that sort of work. But then we, we do struggle 
on, on the right-hand side. So as, as far as is possible, I'd like to keep Ailing in his natural position. And, and, and we're just going to kind of have to manage manage opposition's press with a kind of whatever combination of centre-backs we, we can put out. Yeah, and we get, look, we're getting pressed a lot more this season than, than we were. So one, that means that you, you're, you're not seeing a side of Ben White's game last season that would be interesting now, which is how good is he under a decent high press? And two, you're not seeing you're you're getting a situation where he is able to come out a lot more because teams are sitting a lot deeper against us. And so, uh, part of the part of the issue that I have with the with the Ben White chat is that is that it's just unfair to compare those two those two scenarios. Maybe it's the case that Ben White would be perfect in our defence. I, I I you know there's rumours about Liverpool shelling 40 million on him at the moment which which would make sense and no doubt he would be good but I do think it's it's not quite the case that you just dump Ben White into into this team and and, and he'll be good and look, if he plays for Liverpool he'll be in a situation where he'll be doing a lot of backwards defending he'll be playing in a high line and he'll have space to run into um, it will absolutely suit him because it suited him last season in the championship to play that style of football but we don't play that style of football anymore so it's a slightly different scenario. And he's at a lower level, and 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 you're absolutely right. There were like the most regular thing that I text to one of my friends walking out of Ellen Road last year was Ben was playing with his slippers on again because he he just didn't really need to need to do anything. He was you know he's kind of for all he looked very high quality, he was actually unflustered in in the vast majority of games that we played. We should talk about Tyler Roberts and, and then we'll move on to, to preview the, the Leicester game uh, because Tyler Roberts has come on and had a, a couple of decent showings, I think. Um, so we had a couple of questions. Mickey P said, Roberts, did he look like he could score five or six this season? Bielsa obviously has confidence in him. Uh, David Kevin Williams said, time to try Tyler instead of Bamford soon. Paddy's not been effective in build-up or in front of goal for a little while and Roberts seems to give us a little bit more presence in midfield. Um, what's your take on this, Joe? What's, how are you feeling about Tyler Roberts at the moment? I mean, it's great that, um, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, there was speculation that he was going to go out on loan to Derby County or someone like that. Um, and now he's suddenly coming on in, in big games where we need him to put in big performances. And, you know, I thought he, I thought he looked good last night. And I'm not sure whether I would start him against Leicester, um, as, as David's questions asking. Uh, for me, I, I think, I think Bamford's done enough, um, over the past few seasons to sort of warrant a, a regular starting place. I mean, we saw how hesitant Bielsa was to displace him with Nketiah um, just before Christmas in the, in the, in that season. So I'm not sure that he will be displaced, but Tyler Roberts got over half an hour yesterday. And, um, you know, I think it's great to have someone knocking at the door like that, where we know if Bamford's not having a, a good day, then we do have someone to come on and, you know, it really wouldn't harm... Tyler Roberts's case if if he did bag a goal in in one of these cameos and you know and then maybe we will see him start a game eventually but for me it's maybe a little bit too soon right now I think what I like about Tyler Roberts I think I mentioned this in the group chat yesterday is that at the moment we try and we sort of pass the ball out from well the midfield area is basically used as a as a sort of facilitation area where we can sort of move the ball down the wide areas um so you 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 have your center defensive midfielder who who sort of links between the full backs and the and the midfielders and and the center backs as well and then you have the two central midfielders who help in that movement down the wide areas and then push forward into the front line neither of the guys that we play in in central midfield in those two eight positions are particularly dynamic on the ball 
and I think that's something that that Tyler Roberts really gives us at the moment. So Tyler will drop into space, he'll pick the ball up, turn, and he'll drive forward. Whereas I think both Click and uh, Rodrigo's initial feeling is, how do I pass this ball on somewhere? How do I move the ball by passing? And I think Roberts has been really, really useful in recent games where teams are now, because teams are being slightly more chaotic, it's just about a case of winning the ball back and then driving. There's a lot more space in midfield and we're seeing Tyler Roberts pick the ball up and just progress it. Um, I looked at the, was it, I think it was the Brighton game um, where I did the um, the video analysis and I did a section on Tyler Roberts because it's just, it was so interesting just seeing all of his on-ball um, in, uh, actions and and looking at where he picked the ball up and where the ball ended up being as a result of that action and almost every time the ball was moving 20-30 yards down the field in a way that it wasn't with with Rodrigo and Click because they were trying make try and make these creative passes that just wouldn't come off and we would lose the ball and so it's been it's been quite interesting just seeing how Tyler Roberts has, has become tactically useful for us in a, in a situation that maybe he wasn't quite so tactically useful for us in the early parts of the season, but has become tactically useful for us now. I think we've been quite critical of him when he's played in midfield and, and particularly in the championship before, haven't we? And I think that's been largely to do with that in the games where he's played in midfield, we've been up against teams that have kind of largely sat in a low block, largely refused to move. So he hasn't had the space to do that kind of ball carrying stuff into that that he's had that he had against Newcastle yesterday and against Brighton at the weekend. Um, I've you know I'm I'm on record as many times as saying that that I'm I'm a, I'm a fan of Tyler Roberts. I think he's got a lot to offer us. Um, I think that. You know, if if we're going to be in games like the one against Brighton, then I don't actually have a problem with him coming on as an eight and picking the ball up deep and run and running it forward like he like he did. And equally, if if you know, as an understudy to to Bamford, um, I think he he's effective. I thought he made some really good runs last night. He was unlucky not to get get on the end of the. I can't remember who crossed it, but he kind of. Uh, missed the ball but thought it was a pretty good chance uh, which doesn't show up on the XG because he didn't connect with it um, and um, but but in terms of whether whether it's right for him to replace Bamford at the moment I, I, I just think we need to kind of give Bamford a bit more a bit more a bit more leniency than that and give it give you know kind of I think it's four games or something since he last scored so it's not like it's a a, a, a never-ending drought and and actually it's not like he's missed a lot of chances either he, he, he just hasn't had as many chances as we used to him getting so that's probably not as much uh, it's, as, it's as much the players around him who are not providing him with the chances that he needs uh, as anything else so I'd, I'd be I'd be inclined to stick with Bamford you know for the foreseeable future for sure yeah, I think the way that we're using him at the moment is the optimal way to use him, which is backup striker to Bamford and a decent option that we can bring off the bench if we do need that midfield dynamism in, in terms of ball carrying. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, 
and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Right, let's move on to the Leicester preview because uh, we could spend all day talking about both of these topics. So, um, let, But let's move on to talk about the Leicester game this weekend. So this week I was lucky enough to t- talk to Charlie Carmichael, who's the senior features writer and editor at Give Me Sport, and this is what he had to say about Leicester. So Charlie, hi, how are you doing? Yeah, very well, thanks, John. How are you? I'm doing great. I suspect that you're enjoying Leicester City this season um, because they, they are doing quite well. We're halfway through the season and Leicester is two points off the top of the table, so you must be pretty happy. Yeah, I mean, we're absolutely flying at the minute. We've uh, we've won our last five games in all competitions um, after that 3-1 win against Brentford um, last weekend. So yeah, really positive start. Um, it'll be interesting to kind of see how things progress from here. I know a kind of similar tale to last season, which is a, a word of caution, I guess, that we were kind of overperforming our statistics and then um, had a couple of injuries and um, the wheels came off. So fingers crossed for better luck this time. We seem to have people coming back from injury as opposed to getting injured. So long may that continue. Are you feeling a little bit more positive about the squad depth going into the second half of the season than you were last time around then? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a, it's a, it's a huge benefit, having the likes of uh, Castagna um, coming in to replace, obviously, Ricardo, who's been injured for, for large sections of the season. Uh, Wesley Fofana, who can step up in the absence of um, Soyuncu. Uh, players like that have been absolutely vital in terms of keeping things ticking over. Even Nompla's Mendy, who was kind of you know on his way out the door, had had one foot on the Aaron the exit door, but um, he's he's come in and done a great job in Indeedy's absence as well. So we've had a lot of squad players that have really stepped up, uh, both in the Europa League and Cup competitions and occasionally in the league as well, which has been of a massive help, which we didn't really have last season. I suppose the biggest news on the injury front is Jamie Vardy and his recent hernia operation. How are you expecting this to impact the rest of the season? Yeah, that is a it is a bit of a kick in the teeth. Just as everyone else seems to be coming back to have have that news, but um, it was a scheduled operation. Um, we'd kind of delayed it for a while, but Brendan Rodgers had said that it was something that that needed to be done sooner rather than later. But they they'd earmarked this spell as a as, as a specific time where they could get it done. So I think he's going to miss around four games. Um, they obviously the management team obviously feel that we can cope without him for these games. Um, played Brentford and man- managed to, to win against them. But yeah, the upcoming league games will be particularly tough because it does change us a lot tactically in terms of the way we approach things. And what do you think the solution to the Jamie Vardy problem is going to look like? You've got a couple of options that you could play there. Who do you think Brendan Rodgers will go for? Yeah, it seems to kind of be a straight shootout between uh, Kelechi Iheanacho and Iose Perez. Um a few weeks back, I probably would have told you that that's Ianacho's spot, but uh, he, you know, because he was performing really well in the Europa League and the cup competitions. However, he did play. Uh, I think it was the 28th of December. We had a two-day turnaround after Boxing Day's game against United, where we played Crystal Palace, and we pretty much played an entire sort of uh, second-string eleven in that game. And Ianacho got his chance up front, and he he ended up missing a penalty, and he missed a header from about three yards out. Um, not only did that really knock his confidence, I think it's knocked the manager's confidence in him as well. And since then, when Vardy's been out the side, it's been Iose Perez who's uh, been chosen to lead the line, as he was against Brentford at the weekend. So I would imagine that Perez is going to be the kind of focal point of Leicester's attack. But um, given his skill set, it will be definitely a different kind of tactical setup to to what you're used to seeing from Leicester. With that in mind, how are you looking at the sort of finishing position that Leicester will be in by the end of the season? What do you what do you feel about the the uh, the final position? 
I think if we can get Vardy back and we can get him up to speed sooner rather than later and we don't uh, touch wood have any any other major injury issues, uh, I think it may well be a straight shootout for fourth place between us and Spurs. Um, I would imagine that the two Manchester teams and Liverpool would kind of make up the top three in, um, I guess, any order at the moment. It's anyone's guess, but um, that fourth spot seems to be quite open. So there is the likes of, depending on if, if Thomas Tuchel is appointed as the Chelsea manager, depending on how, how well they hit the ground running and the likes of Aston Villa who are having a great season. But I would say it's probably between us and Spurs as the main candidates for that fourth spot. We've already played Leicester this season, um, Leeds have, and it resulted in a 4-1 win to Leicester. What did you make of that game between the two sides? Um, I thought it was brilliant from a Leicester perspective. <laughs> um, obviously, we kind of developed a, a, a kind of second formation, a plan B almost, to play against um, you know certain sides away from home. So um, that being a, a 3-4-3 or a 3-5-2 formation. So obviously, we utilised that against Leeds. We played that way also against Arsenal and Manchester City away. Uh, we managed to win all three of them, kind of playing with a low block and hitting on the counter-attack. Um, so, yeah, the 4-1 win was was fantastic from our point of view, especially because we were struggling with a few injuries at that point. But Rodgers did a really good job of kind of working out a formula of how to win without some kind of key personnel. Um, I think this time around it will be different, though. I think, obviously, with uh, bar Jamie Vardy having some significant players back, I think Rodgers will look to stick to the tried and trusted sort of 4-2-3-1 Um it, he may go to a back three, but I'd be surprised. I think he'll stick with what's worked in recent weeks. So could you just talk us through that that, that different formation and the four two three one? How does it differ from the three four three that we saw at Elland Road? Sure. So uh the three four three tends to be uh we tend to play quite compact, we tend to play in a low block. Um the two kind of central midfielders tend to play quite deep. Um that at the time being Mendy and Tillemon. Um, and then we look to break. We use the full backs uh, or the wing backs, sorry, to create the width and then uh, let the kind of wingers play as inverted wingers and tuck in and and find Jamie Vardy on the break with the you know his pace and the likes of Harvey Barnes and stuff playing off them. Um, this time around, I think it will be more of a 4-2-3-1, as I said. I think we'll look to dominate the ball more, which will be interesting, given that obviously that's something that Leeds are very good at. Um, now that we've got Wilfred and Didi back in the team, he's kind of the, the key to all of this in the sense that he will anchor the side. Although he will be playing in a double pivot with Yuri Tillemon, it allows Tillemon to progress the ball and kind of move almost to a 4-1-4-1 in the attacking phase, uh, playing kind of as a, in a, as a dual role with James Madison in kind of like a number eight slash number 10 position. Um, so I think that's kind of what we'll look to and we'll look to kind of play a high line and sort of aggressive first defending um, and we'll need to kind of play higher up the pitch as well, obviously, without the pace of Jamie Vardy. Iose Perez is someone who's going to kind of, in a similar mould to Roberto Firmino, he's, he'll he'll drop deep, he'll look to link play, and he'll look for runners like the likes of Harvey Barnes to go off him, as opposed to having that out-and-out sort of spear that Jamie Vardy provides. Would you say that Leicester have changed much tactically this season, or would you say that sort of tried-and-tested formula of, of, of having a, a sort of two-tactic approach is is been there the whole way through? I don't think the... The two tactics. I don't think the three-five-two or three-four-three was really in place under Rogers last season. It's something that he's developed this season. He spoke a lot last year about having a complex against the bigger sides. Um, I know, you know, we got destroyed by Manchester City and Liverpool back to back last season um, in January, and that pretty much derailed, uh, you know, the start of the end of our campaign. Really, uh, this season we seem to have kind of far more respect for the bigger teams. We're we're not just taking the game to them kind of, you know, out of sort of rash ignorance. We're 
we're trying to play more compact and hit teams on the break. Having said that, now that we've got all our key personnel back, I think that Rogers is thinking specifically against a side like Leeds, say, as opposed to no disrespect intended, as opposed to say like a Manchester City. I think Rogers feels comfortable with going for the four-two-three-one and really kind of going with plan A, as it were, and doubling down on that. So how are you looking injury-wise at the moment? Obviously, Jamie Hardy is the big blow. He's out with a hernia operation. Um, Ricardo has, he's been out for the best part of 10 months. He did come back for a half a game of football in the Europa League, only to tweak his groin and then be out for another sort of six weeks. So fortunately, he played 70 minutes in the cup against Brentford the other day, um, which was really encouraging to see. He just obviously just came up early as a, as a precaution rather than anything that had gone wrong. Um, so, I mean, he's arguably our best player, or at least on par with kind of Wilfred Ndidi and Jamie Vardy as one of our sort of top, top players. So having him back is really encouraging. I think the Leeds game will come a bit too soon for him. I'd expect Castagna and Justin to maintain their places. But in the coming weeks, it'd be interesting to see whether Ricardo kind of upserps one of them or whether he ends up actually playing on the wing as opposed to Mark Albrighton. So that'd be an interesting development to follow. Um, Soyuncu is the other one. He's been out for a good sort of three to four months. He got his first full 90 minutes under his belt against Brentford as well. He looked really strong, really composed, and he's going to really push Wesley Fofana and Johnny Evans for a starting spot. So that's going to be that's a great headache for Rodgers to have. I think, again, he'll probably stick with Evans and Fofana for the Leeds game. But um, if, if their form dips at all, then Soyuncu will be right there, ready to take one of their spots. So how do you expect Leicester to line up on Sunday then? So, as I said, I think it'll be a, the 4-2-3-1. Um, as you'd imagine, Kasper Schmeichel, the captain, um, to be in net. Uh, I think James Justin and Timothy Castagna can both play right or left back. Um, they've alternated throughout the season. If we're going off the last few games, I'd imagine that Justin will be playing left back, Castagna at right back. Um, and then Fofana and Evans making up the central defensive partnership. It will then be a double pivot of uh, Wilfred Ndidi and Yuri Tillemont, with Tillemont perhaps having the freedom when we're attacking or uh, you know dominating sections of the game to push forwards more. Uh, James Madison will play in the hole as number 10. And then you would expect Harvey Barnes to play from the left and try and cut in and use his pace on the counter-attack. And Mark Albrighton kind of giving that workman-like spirit, I guess, from the right. Uh, and Iose Perez up front kind of uh, replacing Jamie Vardy, but offering something different by dropping and linking play and trying to press aggressively from the front. One of the questions that I ask all of our guests, uh, and I'm, I'm sure I've asked you uh, when you were on last time, but I'm interested in which players you think need to perform well to beat Leeds on Sunday. Um, I think Wilfred Ndidi is always important for us. And I think especially because Leeds tend to line up in that kind of 4-1-4-1 formation with with Calvin Phillips holding and having obviously the double of, uh, is it Click and um, Rodrigo is uh, kind of like two almost number 10. So I think indeed he's going to have his hands full, especially if Tillemont is also going to have to work hard to kind of get back and make sure that he's not left too isolated. Um, it's a huge opportunity for Iozo Perez. Um, I'm not too sure how he's going to get on. This really isn't the sort of game you would expect him to thrive in. Obviously, if we were playing kind of a low block and he was allowed to kind of drop deep and link play, might maybe better, but uh, against kind of a Leeds team that's going to look to dominate the ball and play a high line and there may be space in behind, it's not perhaps the game that you'd associate with him. So I think for that reason, Harvey Barnes is probably the main player that we really need to step up. Um, him and Madison are both playing really well at the minute. They're chipping in with goals where Vardy has um, been kind of lacking a bit lately. Um, so I think, yeah, if, if Iose Perez is kind of going to tuck in and almost play as kind of like an auxiliary second supporting striker at time is the onus is really going to be on Barnes to kind of break um break forward and try and beat the offside trap and get in behind and on the other hand then which Leeds players in particular worry you going into the game I think Patrick Bamford is always a worry he seems to have really stepped up his game this year I know there was a lot of um I mean and as to whether he could do it at Premier League level I know he missed 
scored a lot of goals, but also missed a lot of chances at championship level. But he seems to have adapted really well to the challenge of Premier League football. So, um, yes, Bamford is, is clearly a worry. Uh, I think the two wide men as well. I think um, Rafinha and Harrison as well can can cause a lot of problems. Uh, our fullbacks like to push high, especially in the attacking phase, sort of get forwards and support the wingers. Um, so there could be space in behind for either of Leeds' wide men to kind of cause damage, which may drag midfielders out of position. So that 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 would be my main worry, I think. I don't ever ask for predictions on this podcast. Feel free to give one if you want, but I'm more interested in how you expect the game to sort of open out and um, ebb and flow. How do you see the game going on Sunday? It might be a bit of a cop-out answer, but I really don't know. I think it could be fascinating. It could be anything from kind of a cagey nil-nil to a quite enthralling 2-2 draw. I think if one of the team can get an early goal, then that's really going to open things up. Um, I think both teams will look to have the ball, will look to attack, which should lead to an open game. Um, so yeah, I think I think a, a score draw perhaps um, would be my bet. Well, Charlie, it's been a pleasure as always to chat to you. What's the best way for our listeners to catch what you're putting out football content wise? The best way is probably through my Twitter. So you can get me uh, at charliejc93. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Charlie. Yeah, my pleasure. So that was what Charlie Carmichael, senior feature writer and editor at Give Me Sport, had to say about the upcoming fixture against Leicester. Uh, Darren, what what sort of questions did this conjure up in your mind? I suppose I was thinking about um, the game at Ellen Road uh, was was largely a battle for space because Leicester played in a three four three, sat in a low block, and tried to exploit the the space that we left when when we tried to attack them. And it sounds like that that um Charlie's kind of anticipating that this match is going to be more about um a battle for possession. And I, I just I just wonder how that how that pans out really. Um given that we have had some challenges in in um in possession. Um it sounds like Leicester might want to press us more than they did in the game at Elland Road. And I'm I'm just kind of thinking about about how that how that works and how the game game plays out um and and you know i was i was very concerned about about leicester uh at elland road uh quite rightly as it turned out because because i was you know particularly scared of vardy but i guess on on the break but i suppose if thinking about vardy not being in and leicester being a bit more proactive that also makes me very worried (laughs) (laughs) it's certainly not a game that is going to be looked on favorably by a lot of leeds fans i don't think for, for for these reasons um and I think, Joe, you had a question really which ties in with this as well, right? So in terms of this battle for possession, you were thinking about it in, more in terms of a structure as well, right? Yeah, so as as Charlie mentioned, um, they sort of have this backup plan formation, uh, which is 3-4-3, which they played against us uh, at Ellen Road. Um, but this time, Charlie reckons they're going to play a 4-2-3-1 and um, that is what they've been playing the last sort of four or five games. And it just made me wonder whether whether this would actually benefit Leeds because... Um, you know, as as Charlie was saying, the the three four three is more of a compact low block type thing, and now they might be looking to dominate the ball a bit more. And you know, I think I think that could potentially be if Leeds play, are on their day, that could play into our hands because you know we quite like having um, a game where the opposition comes out against us. And you know, as we've spoken about a couple of times on this podcast before. Um, the three four three lends itself really well to pressing in wide areas, you know, in this sort of rhombus shape that um, you've mentioned before, John. Um, so I just wonder if that's going to leave a bit more space for people like Rafinha and Harrison, especially if the fullbacks push up nice and high. The Leicester fullbacks, that is, like Justin, 
um, pu- pushes up really high, then that's going to leave loads of space for Rafinha to run in behind. So um, yeah, those those were sort of my thoughts, and I'm just wondering if that's going to benefit Leeds, and hoping that it will. Obviously, both of those questions are really interesting, and um, it, it all sort of breaks down on the question of, of structure. And I think Leicester, in terms of what we've been talking about, in terms of centre back marauding, I, I don't think Leicester are a team that will do that much. I think that. I don't really think of any of their centre-backs as being particularly strong ball carriers. That may not be the case, of course, and maybe they will do that and they will have been practising that this week. But Sorry, John, who played on the left-hand side of um, their, their three at Ellen Road? Because I seem to remember he had quite a lot of space and he didn't do the deep runs, but he, but he certainly um, caused us quite a few problems with his use of the ball. I think they played Christian Fuchs. I've got it here as... Fuchs, yeah. yeah, yeah, Fuchs, and then Fafana and Justin as the back three. Yeah, I mean, obviously Justin and Fuchs are both fullbacks, so um, if they played them in a in a, I mean, they played in the back three, so they were going to sit deep. But if they played them in the, in the back four, I don't think they would play either of those two as centre backs in a back four. So they'll be playing Evans and Fafana, I guess, if they're both fit. Um, neither of whom I think of as being particularly good ball carriers, but um, they'll try. I think they'll try and get their fullbacks to go forward, like like um, Charlie suggested, and and as a result of that, that might give a space for our for our wide players to push into. Um, and yeah, you know, that's that's all well and good. That I don't I don't particularly worry about that as a as a an, an attacking um, approach. I mean, Brendan Rodgers is obviously a smart coach, so it may be the case that he does try and. Uh, move move the lead high press around using using his, his centre backs, but um, I guess the the worry for me is more in terms of the fact that they've got they've got two players, obviously Matt, uh, James Madison and Harvey Barnes, who who I think are scary in different ways. Um, Harvey Barnes is rapid, and will you know if if Alan Sam Maximan can can turn and, and sprint at our defence. Harvey Barnes can do that as well, and then James Madison, who's obviously a little bit more of a of an elegant, um, creative player, um, who's in really good form as well at the moment. Um, who who can could could equally um, just waltz his way through a defence if he wanted to. So, I guess if if they play a four two three one, we'll play a four one four one as we do. So you you match. It's quite nice, I think, playing a four two three one. Because you match your two eights against their two double, well, their double pivot, um, and then Phillips will just be sitting on their number ten, and and your full backs will will take on the two wide players. Your two centre backs will will guard the one, and then yeah, you've got your three against the four up front. Um, do you think this would be? It would be quite nice, I think, just to play play in a structural game like this. I feel as though recently we've just not. Part of the reason why we struggled is because we've not really played against teams who've played structures that suit us. Um, Brighton obviously caused us huge amounts of problems with their their back five. Essentially, Newcastle were were pretty much all over the place. Um, Leicester, I think, will be a little bit more structured. So, do we think do we think that that approach will will benefit us, Darren? Yeah, I think so. I th- I, th- I think it'll be much more um, of the sort of yeah, a sort of game that will that will suit suit our style and will suit the the way that we want to play. It's for me for me the question is isn't really about about yeah I I think you're absolutely right it, it will suit us it's it's whether a, whether our players play well enough on the day to kind of make make that kind of um to make the fact that it's the sort of game that suits them count if you like so I think we'll we'll need to make sure that that you know that that 
that when we get you know decent opportunities and de- decent territory like we did yesterday that we actually make good chances from it because that's something we kind of summarily failed to do um so i i think i think you're right i, I also think there are questions within it just just because of the personnel involved i guess then it, the, the flip side of that question is how could Leicester be chaotic then if if we think if we think of them as being a well drilled side and uh, you know i think for me, the 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 edge that we get from having Marcelo Bielsa is that he's able to uh, create those um, those edges and those ret- returns that you get that you don't get with other managers because he will be able to analyse an opposition structure and then find spaces in that structure and then as a result buy time for players who maybe aren't quite so as good as the opposition to to really prosper in it. And so I kind of see a game like against a team like Leicester as being one of those games where they'll be very structured. Bielsa will be able to find ways of, of breaking that structure down. Do you think there are going to be any ways, Joe, where where Brendan Rodgers might just be happy to be like, yeah, you know, let's just go, let's go direct. Let's get players like Harvey Barnes just um, move, shifting positions, trying to drag. We saw... Um, Alexis McAllister causing problems for Leeds for Brighton by by shifting Stuart Dallas right out of position for their goal, so that he actually set the ball the goal up by passing the ball across the box from the opposite side of the pitch that he's usually on. And and Ailing didn't track the man in part, I think, because he expected Dallas to be covering that area a little bit. Do we think that we'll we'll see a little bit more of that sort of approach, Joe, where where Brendan Rodgers will say, yeah, look. Try and be a little bit more chaotic. Try and move in non-specific ways. Try and um, get get the ball to to players who can then drive at the team. Absolutely. I mean, I think that almost has to be the approach from Leicester. To be honest, when you see how Leeds can be so easily opened up um, from that approach, I think they're going to be looking for their key men um, that we've just mentioned: Madison, Barnes, perhaps Tielemans, <clears throat> to to drag the Leeds players out of position. I mean, I think this is kind of stating the obvious, but um, we're gonna we're gonna benefit a lot from not seeing Jamie Vardy on the pitch um, because I think one of the ways that that Leicester could really um, get at Leeds in that sense is if Madison and Barnes play with a lot of freedom and Jamie Vardy does his normal poaching thing where they can just release him through and and he's unbelievably clinical and you know he can just get so many goals that way he scored so many goals that way this season I think there was one against Sheffield United where um, they just released him and and he just had so much space to run into so obviously we're going to benefit from that and I know that Charlie um, wasn't overly positive about Perez starting up front Um, so that gives me a, a sort of glimmer of hope but um yeah, I, I get the feeling that Luke Ayling, Calvin Phillips, the players that are marking their danger men are going to have to have really, really good games for us to get anything out of it. So in that case, who are the players for Leeds who need to play well, Darren, if if we're to get anything out of this game? I think fundamentally Calvin Phillips is going to have to do a real job on, on, on Madison and keep him, keep him really quiet. Um, and yeah, I, I guess that also means that he's going to have to do a really good job in possession, which I thought he was quite poor in possession yesterday, particularly in the second half, and he wasn't really able to get on the ball in any meaningful way. So um, we're going to have to kind of make sure that that happens. I also, and I I know I say this all the time, but because they are our creative hub, really, I think we're going to have to see big performances from Rafinha and Harrison and, 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 and really try and exploit any space that Leicester do leave behind their fullbacks if they if they do kind of push forward. So, yeah, I, th- I think it's I think it's an incredibly incredibly tough fixture, um, and and yeah, it's 
just one of those where we're going to have to be absolutely on it uh, in order to get anything out of it um, in a way that we haven't been for the last few weeks. Would you add anyone to that list, Joe? Um, the only thing I'd add to that is Rafinha playing well in a defensive sense. Um, against Brighton, we saw Rafinha and Harrison swapping wings which um, we all suspect was for defensive reasons. Um, and we know that both Leicester's fullbacks, Castagna and Justin, um, are fantastic in an attacking sense, especially Justin. I've really enjoyed watching him recently. And presumably if Justin's on the left, Rafinha's on the right, then Rafinha's going to also have to put in a great performance defensively. So I'll be looking for that in the game. And in terms of the game itself, then how are we expecting it to pan out? I guess Leicester, as Charlie said, Leicester will be looking to dominate the ball slightly more, um, especially given the fact that they're at home. Um, there's always the danger with these kind of games that it, it could become a, a basketball game, as everyone likes to say. Um, so I think I'm with Charlie and that I'm not necessarily too sure how it is going to pan out. I think I've got a, a strange feeling that it's going to be a bit of a basketball game and that I, I don't think we're going to keep a clean sheet. Um, but equally, I think that there's going to be some space to exploit Leicester. So um, I think all in all, it's going to be really entertaining and I'm really looking forward to it. How about you, Dan? Yeah, I, I honestly don't know. I think it could become that kind of Titanic tussle sort of thing where it's very end-to-end and lots of opportunities. But I kind of get the feeling, I wonder whether, whether Leicester will will come out strong and try and score early and then to an extent try game status. Um, as, and because I think I think if they're able to kind of get in their shape and hold hold it then I, I think that that we would really struggle to cause them cause them too many problems um so yeah I, I suspect it'll be the second rather than the first I think I think they'll they'll look to kind of um capitalize on on our mistakes and 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 then yeah make sure that they kill kill the space um and and try and make it incredibly difficult for us from that point of view well there you have it that's the all stats on we Leicester preview and with that we arrive at the end of quite an action-packed podcast so <laughs> thank you for sticking with us guys thanks for, for covering a huge amount of of, of area uh, if you're a glutton for punishment and you want even more stuff then we do have a patreon uh, feed which is a subscription platform which allows you to get bonus content from us uh, I put out a video analysis every week and we have bonus episodes over there as well we're going to do a Q&A session um, at some point as well a live one for for the patrons uh, but at the moment we have back-to-back games and so <laughs> we're struggling to to get out um, content because well we're not struggling to get out content but we're struggling to find space to put in extra content but uh, I'll be back next week with a with a Leicester City uh, video analysis and uh, we'll, we've obviously got the uh, Everton match on Wednesday um, Wednesday evening so we'll be back on Monday with another double header podcast so uh, again more content for you to look forward to so if you are interested in the Patreon stuff then head over to www.patreon forward slash all stats aren't we but this is it this is the end of the podcast so all that remains for me to do is to say thank you Darren thank you thank you Joe cheers and thank you you lot for listening
mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Market.